Welcome back everyone to the 1 to 100 podcast, the number one podcast to solve all your architecture problems, shed some light on our personal experiences and help you in understanding the architecture world. It's season two and my name is Amanda. I'm also joined here today by Naomi Bethany Adonai Ray Cindy Besma and a very special guest. But before we get into today's episode, I'd like to wish you all an extremely late Happy New Year. 2021 basically means that we can start the year over again every single month. So what's not to love about that? (laughs) The theme for season two is understanding architecture. So what does that mean? Architecture is subjective, and so it's essential to create a personal bond with design to add purpose, value and innovation to inform better design decisions and also to aid your potential career path. This is a season we'll be joined by a lot of professionals, designers, creatives and also architecture advocates to guide you in the right direction. Now, if you follow us on social media, you know that our guest this episode is the Head of Architecture Recruitment at McDonald and Company. He's also a former graduate at Westminster and Manchester University while studying his part one and part two in architecture. And as an active member of the architecture community, even went on to become an associate member for both the RIBA and British Institute of Interior Design. And if you haven't already signed up, he's also founded the number one platform for different level designers all over the world to showcase their work, Architecture Social. So ladies and gentlemen, it's Stephen Drew. Hello, hello. You know what? I've got to stop signing up for stuff. I've got enough certificates. I've got enough stuff. That was the longest intro ever, which I appreciate. But I'm like, right. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We have to, I'm going to do a little bit of a celebration just before we jump in and we get serious. I really appreciate the podcast. I've been a supporter from hopefully, maybe not day one, but day two, day three, because day one's not realistic. But I absolutely love it. So let's kick off with a bang. Season two, here we go. What do we understand about architecture, guys? Ladies, gents. Hi, Jack. So good to be here. How are you? How are you, ladies? It's a pleasure. Great. I'm feeling good. How are you, girls? I'm good. I mean, it was spectacular. So that was very something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was mm, thank you steve very good hey you're bringing the energy we need it we need it in this pandemic honestly what are we yeah. it's 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 a stressful time for a lot of people i mean gosh you, you know you've got all the kind of stuff happening in america i really sympathize especially for any american listeners at the moment i'm sure it's quite a traumatic time and coronavirus is not ideal for anyone and you know, we all kind of thought it was, well, I, I quietly hoped that, it, you know, there would just be one lockdown and I guess it's two and three. So I can imagine there's a lot of architectural students out there, especially studying or people practicing now, which kind of thinking about where they're going with architecture or understanding it or, or how it's going to be in the future. So it's probably a really timely, um, it's, a, it's a good topic to talk about right now as well. Because, I mean, I remember when I was a student and it was the global recession because I did when I did my part one in Westminster, it was the 2009 recession. And there was this horrible feeling of you have to find a job during an economic crisis. And I imagine people feel the same as well. Or, you know, it's quite hard. You know, we talked about what the definition of understanding architecture is and uh, what I would say without going into the theoretical aspects of architecture in terms of literal stuff. I mean, actually starting a job is very diff- different right now. I mean, when I when I started a job, it was going into an office, you would physically go into an office, right? Whereas in recruitment, what I do now is I actually, someone started a job on Monday and basically you're at home, aren't you? You're on the computer. You just got to make sure you can log in. And it's kind of, a, it's a totally different crazy idea because when I was a part one and how I engaged with architecture and how I understood architecture was actually going into a physical office and you can still learn a lot. And, and I think that what's interesting at the moment is uh, the methods of how to practice architecture. I think a lot of practices, especially at the start, it was almost like this kind of a crazy idea that you couldn't go into the office anymore, but we've kind of found ways to go about practicing architecture, which is remotely. There's definitely challenges with that. There also comes a lot of opportunities as well. So yeah, it's um it's a really interesting time to study architecture. It's still an interesting time to work in architecture. And you know, you still have really important causes. I mean, if you look at 
Nightingale uh, Hospital, which BDP set up, and a few of the architectural practice I work with, there's a lot of research and development, and a lot of people are helping out fighting the virus. So there's also a very literal kind of, um, there's a literal uh, example of architecture right now where actually we're kind of on the front line helping with the virus as well. But what's your understanding of architecture, guys? Nothing about, enough about me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for me, my understanding of architecture is weird because I was actually talking to Adonai today because um, um, I think some of the girls in, in the group actually had a Clubhouse uh, episode yesterday, which was on architecture and Brexit. And okay. somebody from the audience must have asked a question basically saying what does architecture actually mean to you and you don't often get asked that question at all especially in education it is literally just you know doing your plans sections elevations client brief and that's very much it but what it means to you personally sometimes we even get taught to take ourselves out of our projects so I think for me I I what my um sort of vision for architecture is is a very inclusive space and kind of bettering opportunities but that doesn't have anything specifically to do with a building it's more about people and communities and that's my relation relationship if you want to architecture um but yeah but it'll be kind of interesting to see what it means to, to everybody else yeah, I mean, I can tell you what I um. I tell you, it's probably important to mention before we kick off is that I mean, I don't actually work. I don't practice architecture anymore. I did it for three and four years. But what's really interesting about studying architecture is that if you, I mean, I really enjoy studying architecture. You learn a lot of skills from it, and and I would say the way I go about business in terms of recruitment and, and even building the architectural social, you could you could argue that. The architectural social in itself is kind of a design and it's kind of how I get my design kicks out, you know, because you're, you're, you're building something, you're creating something. And while it's not as literal as a building, there's a lot of facets to it. You know, you've got the exterior, you've got core mechanics within architecture social, which works and which don't, you've got people coming in and out and it's how people engage and use the space. And I, you know, and I'm very, literal example with that within the architectural social so anyone that's not signed into it you can request to join uh, but now there's about three thousand people there and generally it's broken down with topics groups and uh, resources and the group section is a really interesting um scenario of um you have your group there as well there's a few groups which i feel have not been used as well and it's really interesting it's a bit like uh, a building you know you kind of put this room or this stage for everyone to use and actually i found that um, it's the, the things that I wouldn't have thought people engage with are actually the most crazy, the most things would spiral. And I, and I think that that kind of um, problem-solving approach that I learned within architecture or working on architectural projects um, translates. I mean, in essence, the client is the audience within the architectural social, and you constantly have to adapt and change and, and move things around and and I would say that that's what I've taken from architecture. Um, the bit that I can comment on as well is uh, having worked in recruitment, which is kind of like my nine to five job, as it were, um, helping people get jobs. Pe- I've seen people have different journeys in architecture, and I kind of feel like a lot of them are valid. No, no one's the same. You Like, for instance, with me, my destiny was not as a, do it, a part to architectural assistant. I did it for two years, and... In the end, I was literally the guy that would try to sneak off around the corner not to do technical mm-hmm. drawings because I just I didn't have the passion. I just didn't, and I didn't understand it as well, and um, which which almost made me feel a bit stupid at the time, but it's just that my energy wasn't there, and I really wasn't someone who was uh, pulling down the books and getting technical details and working out. I just didn't. It just hadn't, It just didn't interest me at all, but I still love architecture, and the point is you can kind of, find a different career so I'm the the cheeky chap who talks and recruitment suited me quite well because you just get on a phone and talk and freestyle but there's a lot of different things within architecture someone can do or lateral as well and I kind of for anyone listening that's kind of working out their journey in architecture if you don't necessarily love what you're doing right now what I would encourage you to do is still do it for a little bit because you gain experience and you formulate an opinion on what you like and you formulate opinion on what you don't like 
and then you can kind of maneuver your career. But I think if I never worked in architectural practice, I would have regretted it. And actually, because I did work in architectural practice, it has enriched the way I recruit because I understand companies. You go meet them, you work it out, you and also to relate to people when they're talking about what they're looking in their career. So a good example now, I mean, you might, um, for instance, you might be looking, you, you might be someone that really enjoys going through mainstream architecture for many, many years. I've actually met a lot of people that do architecture, then they, they find out that they've got a passion for journalism or they got a more of a passion for interior design. And then it could be urban design as well. And so people kind of go off into their specialties and as well as entrepreneurial stuff as well. You know, you've got the architecture podcast, you've got all that stuff, you know, business of architecture is a really good example of they do work in architecture, but they also consult on architectural businesses. And yeah, you've got another good example of kind of uh, supportive within the architecture industry, but which is not direct in architecture is you've got the, you've got New London architecture and you've got also companies which do marketing for architecture. So there's a lot of different ways you can practice architecture without doing architecture anymore. And I think there's a lot of value you can contribute to the industry. Um, but my vision of what I, my understanding of architecture now is that the best use I can be to the industry is by offering value, helping people find jobs and hopefully inspiring some people. And as well as that, working on recruitment to find people with the right matches. And so to go back to the original point, my understanding of architecture, if it was just technical detailing, do you know what? I would have just, I'll go back to Waitrose. I'll go back where I was before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I rather I rather just stack the shelves because it wasn't for it wasn't for me. I respect the skill, but it just didn't light my fire. And I think that I'm sure maybe a question to throw back to here now is that between all of us, everyone gravitates to different parts of architecture, and maybe there's certain everyone here has different things which interest them, and you feel like you understand a bit more or you're more curious about. So for me, I enjoyed talking with people. That's what I get paid for a living. And now I've done the social and I get my kicks off. But what aspects of architecture do you guys enjoy so far? Yeah, I mean, you really yeah. are like the magic matchmaker, definitely. But yeah. <laughs> Della Black, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, Bethany, what do you understand by the term architecture? Well, okay, that's actually a hard question. But I think I'll answer both your question Amanda and Stevens also so um in terms of what do I understand by architecture it's definitely using your cre creative expression to respond to the needs of users so as you were saying before Amanda in terms of people um it's all about kind of catering to their needs and designing a space that really benefits them and with the skill set as an architect, you can go beyond what the client kind of expects and create an even better spatial reality. Um, for me, I'm particularly interested in the whole psychology behind architecture, how people behave in the space and how as a designer, you can influence well-being, you can encourage and facilitate different interactions between people. And I think that's the beauty of it, just actually being able to design to make someone happy to make someone feel better in their mental health to um, create a space that people enjoy to be in essentially so yeah I hope that answers the question from my perspective you kind of mm. um how do I even put it but you, you know what I'm saying essentially yeah and I think there's yeah. things that you can do in terms of well-being how people operate how they kind of connect and talk to other people within the building you can kind of encourage and facilitate those interactions to happen and I think that's something that's really interesting within architecture that you can do so yeah yeah I would just to put, add to that point because I've especially haven't done this for a few years I mean there's a lot of jobs it depends what you want in life but for instance if you were looking for a profession which is purely for monetary value there's a lot of other professions which you know with the same skills we've got because I, I feel like if anyone graduates from architecture they're pretty smart because having done a degree in diploma it's a it's a bloody hard course right but you learn a lot from it and basically no one can just 
it's not a course where you can just you just walk through it. You will be challenged, tried, and tested, and that's the beauty of it. But anyone that does architecture is quite smart. The thing is, though, compared to other jobs out there, okay, you're not going to ruin the huge amount of a stockbroker or anything like that. But to add to what you were saying is that you can change people's lives. You can actually improve it. You can, like, we again, you can help out with hospitals right now. Or, for instance, even, doesn't need to necessarily be a hospital, but that's your point. Yeah, if, like, a school's an excellent example. I mean, I remember my school, the, 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 you know, the paint was peeling off the walls. And then I see all these new schools, and I'm like, wow, can you imagine studying in that place? And can you imagine the joy you would feel of all these children coming in? And, like, AHMM, they won a, a sterling prize for one of the schools they did. And I remember looking at it being almost a bit jealous, but happy, as in, like, wow, what a great opportunity. And that really is the nice part of architecture. And that kind of makes it worth it at, at the end, you know. So I agree with you. You can actually improve people's lives with architecture. Yeah. No, yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, exactly what Bethany was saying um, in terms of, like, my interests. Like, I never got to study psychology at school, but I've ever really wanted to. Um, and I've always found like behavioral psychology so interesting um exactly what Bethany was saying like the way people um react and your your physical environment impacts you greatly and that's one of the things that I definitely <clears throat> like like I I enjoy kind of creating new spaces that could possibly address kind of uh the well-being of a community or like people for whoever whoever the uh, the design is for and it's like you've got so many different things that impacts people's lives you know from like changes in government policies to uh I don't know like like yeah the Brexit you know the things that are happening in America and there's one thing that you can kind of like manipulate to make things better which could be like uh yeah, like you, your your bedroom, you know, it's just by like what Stephen was saying, like just painting a wall, like changing it, and how that impacts your your emotional and your um, yeah, like your your state of well being, um, and it's just is is really interesting to see. And like I remember when we were in uni, and I read a uh, I did an essay about um, phenomenology, and once uh, I guess experience in this world, you know, through your psyche and through your body it's very unique and it's very uh like you can't share that with anyone else and it's like how you walk through this world and how you experience something um that is so much bigger than yourself you know like it's it's, it's really really interesting there's so many different aspects to it that uh can impact somebody's somebody's life uh just like Bethany was saying like it's just really it's a really cool thing um to do but yeah I guess that's probably what architecture in, in a way kind of means to me, it's more, I guess, about like the personal experience and the journey through uh, an environment and what that means to people, because it, it can mean so many different things to so many different people. What we've spoken about so far, there's definitely a theme of empowering people um, through their personal experiences. Um, do you feel like this was taught in architecture school do you felt do did you ever feel like your projects motivated you or um sort of tailed you in the direction of empowering people do you think that's something that the education system perhaps needs to improve on and I'm going to throw this question at Cindy I think it was not pushed enough definitely in higher education I think um I came to be more aware of it just through life in general after university and uh, just through joining the One to Hundred podcast and seeing how everyone and thoughts about it was because I think in higher education, um, as we were speaking about yesterday in the clubhouse, I think higher education doesn't push the idea of community, the idea of getting things that you would learn how to be like an architect in higher education, but you learn about it more of in, for me as the experience, outside of the higher education, I believe. No, I agree with that as well. I think in architectural school, they really push you to like read books on studying like human behavior, the psychology and everything, but then they forget that 
the most important way of learning that and discovering that is by actually talking to people and actually interacting with them. Like we should spend, we spend most of our times in the studio and the only time we actually interact with people are with people that actually study the exact same thing as us. But we don't actually, within our projects, um, we, we're not given the opportunity to actually um, generate conversations with people that would possibly be involved in our projects and um, understanding the relationships between um, contractors and architects. And, you know, I feel like understanding how an architectural practice works is very important, but also in our projects, we have these like imaginary clients um, and I feel like we should have projects that are a bit more realistic, um, a bit more tied to reality, especially with what's going on with what's going on around the world like this. I feel like we need to be more grounded as designers, but we could still use our imagination at the same time. Like that, there needs to be a sort of balance between the two of using our creativity and imagination, but also being very grounded and um, related, um, be more grounded with what's going on with the world and, um, reflect that in our design and our thought processes. Sorry, yeah. to yeah. develop on that point as well, again, from the conversation we had on the Clubhouse um, yesterday, um, I think it's very important to include um, practice into education because I think that's when, as in, you know how in construction you have the year away and where you work, I think it's very important to have that as part of the degree because it's very difficult to go into work and a lot of people be asking for newly and graduates for experience when you don't have some. Mm. And uh, I think it's very important to include that as the part of the education so that we also become more aware of what being an architect really is, not only the education as in the learning, the history, learning the theory of it, but also the practical, the understanding of working in group. I think also in education, when you say working in group, it's also still in a competition. So you're working with your peers, but you feel still in competition on who's going to do best. Whereas working in practice are more, is a more of a collective um, people putting ideas together. So I think it's very important to add that in the education system for architecture the end result of an architect I mean there's not like an equal playing field or a level playing field to basically get there if you get there essentially 100% 100% I don't know could you perhaps explain what architecture means to someone who isn't quite familiar of what architecture is so I know for a few people that actually studied it obviously we have a very clear understanding of what it is but how would you explain that to someone who hasn't studied it before and is quite new or familiar to architecture that is a loaded question because I think architecture is subjective to each individual person I think there's so many faces layers and components that make up architecture but in its simplest form I think architecture is a composite of design psychology planning construction of the building and places that we know today but most importantly it's for people um i believe like an architect can be an anthropologist they can be a psychologist um because there's more to it and sometimes mm, i believe most of the time architecture is misunderstood because essentially if we were understood as a profession we would be paid more or people would know what we actually do and yeah I believe that this is why it's important for the theme to be understanding architecture this season so that people can know and hear our passions, our stresses and perspectives and really understand what architecture is. Because I believe that our work is often reduced, but it's actually a huge, huge task. It's very subjective to each individual having the degree and saying, you know, you've done part one, part two, part three, I'm an architect. To me personally, architecture to me is like being an artist. It's like creating that, uh, you have an empty canvas and creating a base where people are going to create the art inside. So the art can be experiences people can bring in 
families memories and everything that's what being an architect to me is creating a place where people can create memories and create history well i'm gonna move on to the next question Stephen. obviously you run the architecture social platform i don't know why i didn't mention this earlier but do you want to just give the listeners a little insight on what architecture social even is well it's kind of a good time to talk about it now because earlier we touched upon the aspect of it's hard to get a job in industry or transitioning from academia to professional practice and there's, there's a lot of things that I've learned since I was a part one, mainly in recruitment. I've seen practices. I've seen things from the sideline. I've seen now what it takes for people to get a job. I've seen the kind of things that employers gravitate towards. And, you know, you were talking about the chicken and egg example earlier of actually it's highly desirable for an employer or, or, or owner of an architectural practice to hire someone who's already worked in an architectural practice and has worked on technical details. But if you don't have that... It's quite hard to get in industry. It's quite hard to know what you're looking for. And that was kind of the part of the inspiration of setting up the Architecture Social. So the Architecture Social is www.architecturesocial.com. You guys have a group on there as well, which is really cool. Basically, it's kind of an open platform where people can do what they want. I mean, my definition of it in the spirit of, of this conversation, a bit like practicing architecture, and how I feel about architecture has changed all the time. When it started, the Architecture Social, you guys were there at the start. It was about three, 400 people. Now it's like 3,200. And it was purely focused on what I felt I could bring to the table and offer value, which was mm-hmm. kind of helping an architectural student to find the job during a difficult time, based on the fact that I'd done that before and based on the fact that I recruit for famous practices and not so famous practices. I've, I've helped people before. But yeah. I know that architectural, no one, the way it works is part ones and even part twos to some extent, recruitment charges a fee. So if an architectural practice hires me to find a healthcare architect, there's a cost because it takes me time. That's, that's, that's my job. And the reality is you've got so many students who try to contact recruiters and they almost don't have time for students. And that was kind of um, my inspiration for setting up the architecture social was to try to give a bit of information. But because I studied architecture and like you guys, my definition, a bit like what Cindy said earlier, is my definition of architecture is I design in some shape or form. I was like, right, we're going to, I can't remember. I must have had a food. And maybe I had like a few gin and tonics one night. And I was like, no one's registered the domain architecturesocial.com. And then I found this, uh, which is now the, the platform is built on the mighty networks. And I was like, this looks so cool because it's a community platform, which I felt looked good, right? Because half of them are like, uh, oh God, you know, it's like, it's like Mac versus Windows. Some of these community websites, the actual uh, platform's really clunky. I felt yeah. that the architecture social was quite clean and crisp. And so it was doing stuff on there. And since it's grown, we've got, now got a book club. You guys are on there. There's, um, I've done CV and portfolio reviews, which I find fun, but I, I've got to, find a bit more time to do it and you know from that has become the architectural social podcast and a few others so it's kind of evolving in the theme of this because I still classify myself as it's designing and architecture even though I don't do it so for anyone that wants to check it out they can go and join us and get part of the conversation but it's like everything in life that like you were talking about earlier uh, architects, you need to speak to your clients, you need to speak to each other. Actually, the best teamwork in architectural practices, that all this stuff comes from collaboration, comes from networking. And when I say networking, I don't mean in a room with a business card. So you're going like, hello, I'm on about actually getting to know people, working out their strengths and weaknesses. Um, the architectural social, I see it as like community hub. And and so that was that was part of my goal is to kind of create a place for conversation. You say that this is your job, but you, you can just tell that it's your passion. Although it's something that you do day to day, it just fits in with your personality. This is actually the thing for you. The fact that you worked in practice and now you've created a community for people in a similar position to what you were in. You're basically saying, you know, don't give up if you don't get the job or don't give up when yeah. you know, things are getting tough because there's always a way into it somehow, some way. And this platform definitely shows that. 
I mean, you can connect with doctors, people with a PhD, students, <laughs> like everybody is literally on the same, pla- like on an equal playing field. Definitely commend you for like creating an equal playing field for everybody. And just to piggyback on that, one thing that you said before, Stephen, was like, you know, um, architecture for you is like this in, in terms of the architectural social, like the um, audience is the client. And I think it's just so interesting that you've made what you're doing your own. And I was talking and having a conversation with Amanda um, before having this um, um, podcast. And we were just saying that you have to make architecture your own um, in order to make it. Because I feel like sometimes we get so down because we can't yeah. make, we can't get a job, but you need to remember that every journey is different. And it's just so nice to see that you've made your own journey work for you. I mean, when I was, you remember back in the A-levels, you know, back in the old days when, oh when we remember when we didn't have a care in the world and the biggest stress was like, I don't know, passing your A-level exam. No one predicted yeah. this virus would come, right? <laughs> But I remember at the two, the career advisor, because I studied geography, graphic design, and IT. I didn't have maths. I didn't have art, right? And I was like, you can't do architecture. And I guess I do. There's one of the things in my personality is that I, I, I get driven by certain things. And, and it's the strength and the weakness. So if I'm not interested, I'm just awful. I just can't do it. I'll be that guy that's just not useful and not helpful, unfortunately. But when I'm passionate about something... I go 200%, which is sometimes at the detriment because I'll be tired. I'll, you know, not sleep. I'll be talking crazy stuff. I won't be as engaging to certain friends because in my mind, I'm thinking about something. But when I'm passionate, I chase it. And so he told me I couldn't do architecture. And I thought, you know what? I'm doing it anyways. And I did it. And basically, it's the same thing where later in my career as well, I mean, I, when I was studying, uh, when I, so when I was a part two architectural assistant, I didn't really feel that, um, didn't feel that architecture was for me, continuing to practice mainstream. I was like, I think I'm going to look at something and I'm going to look at recruitment. And everyone thought I was crazy. You shouldn't do that. You've given up a great job. You spent all this money on degree diploma. What are you, you know, what about that debt? What are your parents going to think? All this stuff. And then I was just like, right, well, just bear with me. And then I did it because I thought it was right for me. And it was, it was scary at the time. It was really scary because you're thinking, yeah, I'm giving everything up. I'm like, I might have failed architect. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, and then I did it. And then when it started going successful, then people go, oh, I knew you could do it. And you're like, hang on a second. <laughs> and then it happened again. I Because I left a recruitment company to set up my own company, which at the time was completely crazy. And everyone said, don't leave the job and set up a, a recruitment company. And I backed myself. And actually, it didn't go 100% well because that split up after two years because um, me and the, my business partner at the time, we just wanted to take businesses in different directions. We went our own way. But the point was, you all, I owned the mistakes and that journey that I've created is actually the failures as well as the successes have got me to where they are, where I am now. And I, I, I guess that I've taken a completely unconventional way in architecture, but I think by doing that, I can hopefully offer more value than me being unhappy as a part two architectural assistant. And that was just for me, but I can offer more value, like you say, in the, doing the architectural social and, and doing good quality recruitment at McDonald company where I help people improve their lives. I mean, I'm not interested in just putting people into jobs for the sake of it. There are other recruiters which are like that. Not everyone. Unfortunately, it's a small minority, but that gives the reputation. And I think a lot of recruitment, when it's about doing the right thing, people stay in their jobs and they're happy. And that's what I've learned from as well. So long meandering question, but that's kind of, I think is really important. So for anyone that's a bit miffed with architecture, I would encourage you to keep going, but I'd encourage you to look at how you can apply your skills in other vehicles as well. And everyone's different. So you might be, while you're studying architecture, if you've got that passion for art and design, do it on the side. I mean, the architectural social is something that I do in the evenings while working at McDonald and Company, and they both complement each other really well. But I've seen examples of people do their artwork and then it takes off. Or a really good example is a friend called Will McDaniel, and Will almost doesn't say he's an architect anymore, but I, I studied with him. And basically now he's a massive YouTuber. So if you type in Will McDaniel on YouTube, he's got 600,000 followers. 
he's got a salary, you know, he can support himself from the channel, but he was an, a part two architectural assistant. And when I lived with him in universities, he was creating all these monsters everywhere. And he had this insane, like, um, uh, imagination. And he's got, and you look at his channel, my father thinks, he thinks it's brilliant, but it's like, it's, it's a bit of a weird channel. It's got monsters and all this creative stuff, but <laughs> his passion came from architecture. And he went to Oxford Brooks in his part two, and he was in a course, uh, as a particular studio, which, which really fascinated with film. And so he would work during his part two and go, he was telling, we were talking today and he was like, yeah, I used to, you know, go home in the evening with my girlfriend and I'd be there, watch cooking and I'd be editing a video. But the point is he went with his passion and now he's his creative YouTuber. And I see a lot of people, when they look at it, they see the monsters, but actually I see him. I see the, his inspiration. So for anyone listening, you've got to chase your dreams. You've got to, Face your dreams. I feel like people like definitely. <laughs> um, I feel like people definitely read themselves as like they sort of define themselves like through like a CV. Like when you're so consumed by like looking looking for a job or you know trying to appeal to a certain employer, you start narrow yourself down too much. Mm. You don't realize that you're not just defined by your degree or defined by like what education background you have. Like there's a much more fluid approach to everything to, to the journey that you want to go to. And even that journey that you want to go to can even change. Nothing's so fixed. I think with studying architecture, people don't realize, I feel like it's, we only realize this afterwards, but we should trust the skills that we'll learn and trust ourselves as well. And our personality, like our personality drives a lot of what we do, who we are as people. And that's what makes us different to each other. Still apply those skills and know that those skills are not just applied to architecture. You can use that in everything. Whoever you end up working for, if you even work for yourself, would see that. But yeah, onwards and upwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had a quick note on that. You, you do not have to just do your part one, part two, and part three. And that's not the only way to do it. You know, I've seen lots of other people. I mean, Heatherwick, he's not an architect, right? He's an honorary member of Reba, but he's not. He doesn't pretend he is. There's loads and loads of ways that you can contribute to architecture in a broad sense without going down the traditional means. Do try. And if you, you know, if you, if you enjoy it, then it's a great way to do it, but it's not the only way. It's actually really inspirational hearing like your story because um, especially like you were able to kind of create your own space in the industry and in the market and it's gone successfully well. And I was even going to think that maybe this crisis um, is kind of a blessing in disguise because may, maybe many more people will then combine a different passion, a different interest with architecture to create something that you have done as well. And that probably wouldn't have even happened, you know, without uh, the pandemic or without Brexit and all these things because you're having to think in a different way. And I think the industry like kind of craves this creative, uh, conventional architect that fit really well in architecture because it's, it's such a creative field. But Basically, what I wanted to ask was that you saw that, you know, there was kind of like a misalignment between students being able to get jobs and you as a recruiter, you were able to kind of like fill that gap and create your space. What is it that students are missing or like that recruiters have a specific knowledge that can get them there, if that makes sense? Good question. So no one, because there's a financial trade there, right? So the client is what is the architectural company would hire me and to find someone and they would pay me to do that. So they're never really going to be looking for a student or an architectural assistant because there's a lot of CVs there, nor is it a good use of my skills because basically I'm in, normally I'm brought in when you need something strategic. So for instance, a restructuring of the company, or for instance, the company wants to get stronger in BIM and then I'll look at how it's set up and I'll kind of consult and help out. And, and you're right. What I wanted to do is because students don't do anything wrong. It's more about how many students I've met over the years. And I remember me and I remember being in the studio and I remember everyone's different approaches. And actually what I've seen behind the scenes now is there's a few ways to go about it for you to maximize um, your visibility, put it that way. So when I the stuff that I talk about in the architectural social and that, that I try to talk about is it's less about I'm not here to be the design critic. Uh, it's that's been and gone. You've been in academia. What I'll talk about is how to grab someone's attention really quickly and how for you to be in charge 
be in charge of your own destiny. Oh, that sounds quite, uh, ooh. <laughs> I need to put on like a sound effect, but well, I'll leave it. But basically I need you, the best thing that I realized I could do is kind of give you the advice and the tools and the tricks, which I thought would be, I, some, it would be nice if someone told me. So for example, I think one of the things in architecture we all aspire to work in the best architectural practices. And it's really tempting to write a bespoke CV to 10 companies or, and even then you spend one a day, you research it. And that's nice, but especially during times like this, we've got to be really realistic. And I think it's really unfair of some companies saying that you should just, you should hand deliver a CV and portfolio to the office. Okay, that's great if it's like your dream one. Okay, and do that for one or two if you want. And but the real world that I've seen is that when I was a part one and there was it was the global recession, I sent my CV out to a thousand companies. Okay, and I love the first thing I love to challenge people on is we've got to you just got to think about probability. And so the more architectural practices you send your CV to, the more you increase your chances. From there, a thousand, you're hopefully going to get ten to twenty interviews and one to two offers. And the bit, as I think, is that you can be very particular where you want to join when you've got a few offers. But actually, any architectural practice in the industry that you're going to go to is going to offer you experience. Because remember, if it's not the ideal experience, okay, that sucks a bit. But you're going to go there and you'll go, do you know what? Now I know what a bad employer is. Or now I know what it's like to work in a small architectural practice. Or now I know what it's to be at a great architectural practice. So that in the future, if you change, then you go, oh, wow, these guys looked after me in this office. It wasn't so much. So you're constantly formulating your own experience. And, and really to bring it back to it, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of empower you guys to go for it because everyone has got it. And I really believe there's a job for any, everyone. I don't believe at all that if you don't get, if you get this a certain grade, if you, if you don't get a two one then you can't, it's absolute nonsense. There is a complete job for everyone. Confidence is key as well. And I think it was just about talking about that stuff. And then to be literal, what I learned is that, so say now if one of you guys rang me up during my job, I would only have a minute or two spare to talk to you, to try to give you a bit of encouragement. And then you go on your way in the big world looking for somewhere, which is, which is quite overwhelming. So actually, the way I try to do it now is with all the courses and stuff that I'm doing online, it's more like I, if I spend an hour's worth of energy, now when someone's looking for a job, I just say, start here, start here and building up this, this course. But with that comes accountability. And so for anyone listening here, I've got all the videos. You can check them out on the Architectural Social YouTube. You can read them all. You can watch them all. You can put them in the background. I've, you know, we've got it all on Spotify. But you've got to be accountable for it. And, and when you listen to it, the bit that I would love to urge everyone, because everyone here can do it, but I want you to be your own boss. And I want you to think like, right, I've heard that tomorrow. I'm not going to send two CVs. I've got to send 10. I've got to send 20. And I think if you have that attitude... And with the stuff that I talk about or anything, you can get a job. So if anyone even has been struggling to get a job for a year or two, what you've got to do is not blame yourself. You can't be down. You can't think like I haven't got the skills. What you've got to do, though, is you've got to think, right, I've got to mix up my approach here. We've got to realize that we're in a pandemic. We've got to take a little bit of a different way. And we've got to be a little bit more ballsy. We've got to be pick up the phone and ring people, which May is the idea makes everyone uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable, but you got to do it, guys. And if you do that, actually, the trade off is you're more likely to, to, to get a job. So, again, the, the stuff that I'm talking about is less about quote unquote architectural, but the bit I'm interested in is in, in terms of the architecture business is how to get people jobs. And I've seen a lot of people in the social actually use the kind of things we talk about and they've got a job and nothing makes me more happier. And so I think that's the way to go about it. And just to briefly touch upon um, the point raised earlier about the architectural social being made in the pandemic, you're completely right. I mean, the, I was working nine to five and McDonald company, I would travel an hour in each way. I probably wouldn't get home till eight o'clock sometimes. And I was so consumed running a team of architectural recruitment consultants and, and that basically 
in March when when coronavirus came, everything stopped. Everything stopped, and I was just there. First month it was fun. You go on Netflix, have gin and tonic, and you know you just you're just cracking on. And I was absolutely having a right giggle, having a laugh. But at this at the second month, my mind was going. Um, how do I put it? I was feeling unfulfilled, and actually, that's when the platform came from. So as much as people gain stuff from it, and hopefully they gain bit of knowledge or they speak to each other but actually I gain something from it because it keeps me busy and it keeps me happy and keeps me active but everything's in balance and I think a lot of architectural professionals and I'm sure you guys can agree as well we I'm sure a few of us all done it where when you're when you're consumed in the projects you do all these all-nighters and stuff and it can be a bit unhealthy. To be honest you seem like such an innovative creative like forward-thinking person everything that you seem to have achieved so far seems not not even like it's strategic but it happened because it was meant to happen and I just want to kind of know like were you this sort of person you seem like you're quite an extrovert almost were you this sort of person when you were in school as well is that something that like a characteristic you developed or You've sort of just always been like this. It, and uh, hopefully it's inspirational in one way. Is no, I wasn't all the time. It's bizarre as I actually follow a bit. I, when I was a, an architectural assistant in university, I had some good ideas. I was very good at graphic, the graphical aspects of architecture. I was not very good at technical and I kind of felt a little bit insecure about it. If I'm being really honest, I kind of felt like it was like my undermining. But at, at the end of my part two, I did actually tackle it head on. And I did a project where I forced myself to understand all the technical aspects. And that made me feel better because I was kind of confronting my own weakness. But when I was in architectural practice, I didn't feel very good, which is, I felt very average. And, you know, I think basically before I went into recruitment, uh, while I was looking for a job in recruitment, I had the offer of a job in recruitment and I was about to give my notice in. And then I kind of put it off a little bit because I was like, oh, I'll do it in a, in a day or two. And I was made redundant. And so they, they, got, they got rid of um, an EPR. They were a great company, but because they were struggling, there was, there was a wave of redundancies. And, oh, um, and they were, I was like one of 20 people and I was made redundant. And that was like a massive blow to the ego because I was like, Holy shit, I've been made redundant. <laughs> I'm, I'm redundant, right? <laughs> and so I was just like, I remember speaking to my dad and I was like, but what was mad is that I actually had a job offer for recruitment and I was going to go anyways, but it was still a massive blow to the ego, but I kind of felt like something wasn't right. And I, I wanted to address it in another way to, to the point is that, and no, I wasn't always confident. I'm more, I'm more confident now. I'm still learning. I still make loads of mistakes. Uh, I do think when I run my own business, it really helped. And there's nothing like being out there, which really gives you a kick up the bum. Uh, not a lot scares me anymore. And uh, the bit that I've learned over the years is that in one way, the bit that I'm grateful for is that I wonder where I would be if I was still that part two architectural assistant who didn't really want to do their part three and I stayed in the office. Maybe we wouldn't be here now. Maybe the social wouldn't be there. And uh, there's going to be bits in your guys' lives where you get to that point. And that's why I'd encourage you sometimes to do the scarier thing because the scarier thing isn't safer, but you learn something from it. And that's really where I learned a lot of stuff. So, so I don't know how, how old you guys are now, but you know, when you're saying like, ah, oh, I think you're saying like, oh, you see some people are so inspirational. Well, I always wanted to do something different. And bizarrely, now I'm happy with what I do. And I like the fact that the social is there and it really, I, I'm proud of it. And it makes me, it's fulfilling. But, you know, part of me would be like, oh, I want to be the famous YouTuber or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So you, you always think like that before. And um, it's quite easy to say, oh, well, everything's been done. But I think when you get further in your career, these kind of things pop up. Bizarrely, I feel like it's Slumdog Millionaire. Certain bits of everything I've had the fall over the years of like, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? And I've tried before and it failed and I built websites and they've been rubbish and, you know, all these little ideas. And then suddenly it's like the, it's like the Slumdog Millionaire where all the questions come up and then I'm like, oh, that experience that I've got <laughs> is suddenly not a waste. And then, that's how it can go. And so to loop, maybe to loop back into everything, again, everyone's understanding of architecture or what it is and what it means to everyone. You kind of got to feel it out in your journey. And I wouldn't be surprised in here. I imagine because you guys are a lot more, uh, you know, sensible than me. 
then you can you can you get careers in architecture. I imagine this room would be very different. It could be that one of you in the future is a healthcare specialist. Could be working on schools. You could be working on you know almost like landscape design and architecture. It really, really is so different, and uh, that's the beauty of it. So the challenge I would have here now is you talk about. Um, my me, but I say now I'm 10 years older than you guys, and I think that's it. Oh, can you imagine we do a reunion in 10 years' time when I'm ancient, and uh, <laughs> and and it would be interesting to see where everyone is here. But I guarantee you, it would be you will kind of go down these careers that you couldn't predict. You might work on one job, and then maybe someone asks you to join them, and it, you just you just don't know how your career is going to go. Embrace it, and it's. And if you feel scared, sometimes that's not necessarily a bad thing. Safety can be deceiving. And if you fail, it's a lesson, isn't it? As long as you're not repeating it all the time. But failures is important. Do you know what it is? I think when a lot of people think of the idea of breaking away from architecture, it literally feels like a breakup, like a bad breakup. Yeah. Um, it is because it takes so long and because it takes up so much energy and it literally just consumes so much of you when you step away from it it is like oh no like what do I have now like you probably just feel this aspect of emptiness because it has consumed so much of you so what word of advice would you give to someone that is literally struggling with their bad breakup with architecture Okay, well, before you totally, totally break, give it a go before. Uh, that's the best thing I ever did, though, was working in an office for three years because all the stuff that I'm talking to you guys about now, I cannot, I've been there. I didn't go, I'm not going to do it totally. I've done it. I've seen it. I've done the all-nighters. I've had the good times, the bad times. I've, like, cocked up the models. I've, you know, I've done all the stuff that, you know, I've done the the print in the binding. I've seen... And I soaked up that. But in terms of when, I think if you've been in industry and you realize it's not for you or you have this passion, then go for it. I do think you, in terms of the bad breakups, you say, I did feel like a definitely like a black sheep for a little while. But there is something exciting about it as well. And I think that you just got you to gotta, you remember why you've made the decision. And I think in your heart of hearts, in your gut, you always know because it's like the the rational bit is like you can't give up your part for it. You can't not do your part three because you've done your part one and part two. You spent all this money and you're going to let yourself down. You're going to let everyone down. You're a failure. You know, the brain, you know, the, it's just saying that thing. But in the heart of hearts, you've got to realize that all the skills that you've learned are applicable to other things as well like i tell you another really quick good example is i mean rockstar gaming you know rockstar grand theft auto they hire a lot of architects to do their cities because obviously it's a big city right what a great idea and there's loads of other lateral jobs you can do so do it but do make sure it's well considered don't go out on a whim i mean it's because in my heart of heart it didn't feel right and so you so it if you're dealing with a bad breakup, make sure you break broke up for a good reason. Don't be <laughs> don't be like celebs go dating. Have you seen that show? Oh my god! You know when they just they going around dating everyone. Going, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't. No, don't be don't be like that. But do it, do it, and have a good reason for it. And my reason was like I've been in an architectural office for three years, and I love architecture, but I don't want to be the guy doing the drawings anymore because I'm not passionate about it. And that was why I did it. So, but I think if you if you come to terms with your your reason, whenever you feel a bit of insecure, then you can go back to your reasoning. I was searching for something with purpose. And if you're chasing something with purpose, then great. But make sure it pays your bills too. Because you can't be an artist <laughs> and when you with the London rents. Do you know what I mean? The most important thing that I've picked up was definitely like just learning how to find your why, like find your reason for doing something. Mm. There's a book called Find Your Why actually by um Simon Sinek basically talks about just finding purpose in everything that you do so you can create that sort of emotional attachment to it and it creates more purpose in your life as opposed to being a general thing that you do. We're in so many different backgrounds in this um, in this chat other than architecture and um, we're all on so many different paths in our careers and also personal lives. I'm going to throw this question at Besma. You're one person who is just 
honestly one of the most motivated people I know in terms of finding a job how do you stay motivated I believe like my support system is what really got me through um I have I have a great support system around me like amazing parents and I definitely feel like my faith also takes a big role in keeping me motivated like making me it just makes me realize that I mean not everyone believes in God but I I do feel that when you know that you're not fully in control of your your path it's it's kind of freeing knowing that you don't when you when you feel like everything is on your shoulders it's really overwhelming and knowing that there's there's a higher purpose there's someone there's there's a God up there that's gonna help you and push you towards you know getting to your to your goals and that really helped me a lot still having that connection with what you enjoy doing I love illustrating I love creating like that reignites my interest in architecture when you keep applying for jobs you start to lose you start to have these doubts creeping in sometimes your own thoughts are your enemies of progress (laughs) they're like little minions that are trying to like stop you from getting to where you want to go and sometimes it's just important to know how to battle that and speak to yourself out loud try and dispel all those thoughts away also connect with your friends speak to them speak to people who are in positions where you want to be when I speak to like some of you guys it makes me excited to be in that position because obviously like I would want to do my architectural apprenticeship and everything and getting there is different difficult but hearing like Bethany's experiences and Naomi it makes me excited to be in that position one day and like be be hopeful and also I feel like well at least I have some time to like actually think of like how to prepare to get to that position so maybe that's that's the reason why I'm not there yet I feel like it's just important to just trust your process and trust the journey never be afraid to ask for help or just have a little moan with whoever's around that's happy to listen you know you guys see like the positive motivational side of me but I do have my moments on my own where I feel like I'm really struggling or doubting myself and that's your human being at the end of the day like that's normal job searching is is is, it feels like a job in itself trust Um, me is that like just because you're not employed does not mean that you are you're not busy you're not like you're not constantly trying to find a way of um getting out of the space that you're in you have to just own that moment too because there's a lot of self-discovery in this moment where you realize you develop skills of becoming resilient be your own motivator we live in a world where we kind of work hard with someone pushing us behind us and trying to like tell us what to do but when you're at a space where you're either like self-employed because obviously I'm a freelance graphic designer you develop skills of having like being your own beacon there's a lot that you learn in this process so don't feel like just because you're not working for someone doesn't mean that you're stagnant like you're not you're not developing you're not growing you're not improving there's always room to grow no matter where you are Cindy you've also struggled to get into the whole world of architecture through so many different situations and you have actually gone into your own freelancing illustration so what kept you motivated and how did you manage to kind of overcome that sort of barrier? Struggled is a nice word the architecture world is a big 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 ocean and I felt like when I graduated I was a little fish who could barely swim. So um, I felt like um, instead of being at home doing absolutely nothing, I just thought, oh, let me just try to get creative. And um, something I did before I came to uni was to draw for a little time that felt like an escape to problems that I had. The problem I had was finding a job. And I was like, how about finding, making a job out of something that I like? So that's when I asked my friends, I was like, oh, should I make an art page? Then I made an art page and last March. And now I've got lots of clients doing the past year. And um, I'm trying to br- branch out and making a bigger platform where I can sell prints, I can do more. And ultimately, you would think I spent four years doing architecture, which I enjoyed and hated at the same time. But I still want to, <laughs> I still want to do design. But I feel like, as it is now, um, I felt like Basma said, applying for a job is like a job in itself. It's so draining and it's so it's so difficult, especially in the pandemic. So I've allowed myself to understand that I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. I know lots of people are struggling, and I that's how I feel like. And having people like Basma, having people like you guys, always encourage me and make me feel like I'm not totally useless. The reason why 
I keep myself positive is because I've got so many nice reviews over the art because especially when you come from my background, which is African background, you're told that art, something like art is not worthy. Like art is not, it's not going to make you, it's not going to pay your bills. So when I started doing art, I did not really do it in front of my parents because my parents would be like, instead of you planning for jobs, you're doing drawings. What they don't understand is like when you're a creator, when you're a designer, creating something makes you feel good. That was the whole purpose of Vivian Uni, creating something that makes you feel good and makes somebody else feel good. I am a creator. I like to create. And no matter what I do in life, I want to do that. Thanks everyone so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure you check out Stephen Drew and follow our page on Architecture Social at architecturesocial.com. Also make sure to follow us on social media, DM us at 1 to 100 podcast or even send us an email which is 1 to 100 podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get your ideas on board on every single episode. And it's a wrap.